everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Well, good morning, First Pres. And what a powerful story from Jim about submission to God and trusting the Lord and how we learn that in worship. As you can see, I'm not there uh, down at, at, uh, at the church house today. Uh, I'm filming this sermon from my back deck. And the reason for that is I've had my own bout with COVID-19 and I'm coming to the end of it, uh, but uh, still not cleared fully to be in front of the church. And so we're recording this today. And that also means uh, that we are recording on Thursday, the day after one of the uh, very dark days in our nation's history where we saw the nation's capital um, rushed and uh, violently uh, penetrated. And we, I just want to take a minute uh, to, to call us to prayer for the healing of our nation and for the healing of nations as we reflect on those events that are so rattling this past week. And we know the Lord can heal, can restore, can bring us forward And we want to be praying for that as a church with all that we have. But that's not what this message is about. Today we start a new series. Here we go, talking about the First Pres Way, Seven Values in Our Pursuit of Jesus. And we're going to talk about worship today. And all along this series, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter. So I want to read to us from 1 Peter chapter 1. I encourage you to open your Bibles. And as we open the scriptures to 1 Peter chapter 1, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, we do pray. We pray for our nation. We pray for our church. We pray for an end to this pandemic. We pray for a restoration of peace, uh, Lord, in the hearts of of all of our people in this country. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts today to what we truly need, which is your word, your living word spoken into our life. So speak to us, Lord Jesus, we pray. Help us in your name. Amen. 1 Peter 1, 1 1-9, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, 
the salvation of your souls. Amen. Well, on January 25th, 2020, um, which was about 10 years ago, I think, wasn't it? Uh, it feels that way. We held a, a Vision Weekend, Vision Weekend 2020, and we unveiled something that we call the First Pres Way, Seven Values in Our Pursuit of Jesus. Such an exciting weekend. And then 2020 happened. Oh, my. Listen, time and time again as we went through this year making decisions as a staff, as a, as a lead pastor, we found ourselves returning to, to what the Lord had given us, uh, our mission statement that we know that we are called to be light and life for the city, and these seven values, they guided our decisions. God had given us a, a gift we really didn't even know that we had needed. Pilots become expert pilots when they can navigate through the fog, trusting the instruments that are in, are in front of them. We had to fly through the fog. And it's almost like in January, our mission statement and our values became that navigation system. It was as if the Lord had, had come in January and handed us a compass and a map right before we walked into the great fog. God is so good to us. Well, First Press, look, it's not over yet. It's obviously not over yet. We're still navigating all kinds of, of, of novel things. But it's time to regroup around these seven values and find our way forward in a fresh way to be committed to what God has called us to do and be. For this next series, we'll look at First Peter and renew our commitment to the First Press way. Seven values. Live for God. Hold fast. Keep growing. Love like Jesus. Share good news. Deploy generosity and make beauty. These seven values. Friends, this is how we this is how we're growing in the likeness of Christ. This is how we make disciples. So here's value number one. Number one, live for God. Worship trains our hearts to beat for God. How you worship will change how you live. What you worship will change and determine what you become. We want to live for God. Well, it all starts with worship. Why go to church? I mean, why, why, why do we do this thing? Why uh, drive down when, when we could go to church, right? And once again, we will go to church again. But why go to church? Why, why worship? Why take time to turn on the screen at home and, and posture your heart toward the Lord in worship? Why do we do this? What's the point of it all? A boy was in the foyer of a church one time staring up at a at a memorial plaque with hundreds of names on it. And the pastor came along and said, oh, you're looking at the plaque. That's our, that's our memorial wall. That's where we remember. Those are all the names of all the people who have died in the service. And the boy looked at it and said, oh, which service? The 930 or the eleven? Made perfect sense to him. Have you ever felt like that? Oh, what am I doing here? I'm dying in here. Oh, my goodness. Remember feeling that way as a kid? 
Like, when is this going to be over? Get me out of here. It was easy for him to believe that that wall was all about what had happened in the 930 service. What are we doing? What are we doing? Worship comes from the same word as worthy. What are we doing? For one hour each week, we dedicate time to come together as a congregation, as, as a body of believers, and declare with one voice, the Lord is worthy of praise. We believe Peter wrote this letter from Rome just before he and Paul were executed under Emperor Nero. Peter wrote, as Paul did, to gathered congregations. Paul was sometimes clear. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. See, these were group exercises. Gather up and read this aloud when you are together for group prayer, for group singing, for collective reading and teaching, congregated activities. When you're together, you see, you read this letter. When you're together as one body doing all these congregated things. When you're in worship, you see. When you're in worship. Recognize all these verbs and pronouns in this passage. They are in the plural. There's not a one that is singular. This letter is to the church gathered for worship. Verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, all around where you're gathered, you have been, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Who's Peter writing to? Peter writes not to those who chose wisely on the spiritual smorgasbord of life, and Peter writes not to those who have learned how to be acceptable to God through strict moral behaviors. No, Peter writes as he has experienced to those who were chosen, to those who were elect, to those who were grabbed by Jesus, those who had found themselves surprisingly confronted by a living Lord Jesus. And in that confrontation, those who had met a Savior full of 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 more love than Peter believed possible, full of more grace than Peter ever dared hope, full of more purpose and intention for Peter's life than Peter had ever himself imagined for, for his life. If that's you, surprisingly confronted, halted, grabbed by Jesus, pulled out by Christ, and sprinkled by his blood, if that's you, grace and peace be to you in abundance. For you are the church. Okay, what now? What do we do? What is the church? Verse 3, praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise be to God. If we could pause here and take a course on uh, ancient 
rhetoric and Greek epistolary structure, then you would know the weight of that first word in that scripture verse. Praise. Praise. Peter was not a man of letters. You know that? He was illiterate when Jesus called him. We learn that in in Acts. I can only imagine Peter getting help here from Paul or, or from some other expert in the Roman church. Hey, Peter, Peter, look, when you get to that next word, I want you to really think about that word. You should stop and pray before you put that word down. It's the most important word of the letter, Peter. I've got it. Praise. It's about praise. It's about worship. It's about giving glory to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise. The church is not primarily a a social change agent or a gathering of people pursuing a common spiritual interest. It is not, in its essence, a factory for good deeds or, or an inspirational rally for moral behavior training. It is not, at its core, a place for education or dissemination of information. The church, listen now, the church is a body of people called into a special relationship with God, commanded to gather together in his presence and give him worship and praise from whatever context or corner they find themselves in. Praise be to God. The thesis is praise. The supporting evidence is readily at hand. Verse 3. Hey, why don't you say this with me, church, wherever you are. I want you to say this verse together. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In his great mercy, it says. See, God is merciful. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth. We get new life in Jesus. We get a fresh start in Jesus. We get to participate, not just a do-over, we get to participate in life and life eternal. Not life as the world offers it. A different kind of life, life eternal in Jesus. Peter writes this while awaiting execution by Nero. New life. Living hope, he says. Living hope. Not a dead hope. Not an empty hope. Not a hope you have to gin up by psychological gymnastics, forcing yourself to hold on to something you don't really even believe is true. No. Living hope. True hope. Because Jesus died and because Jesus rose from the dead. Praise be to God. Verse 4, and it goes on, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. The riches of this world are nothing compared to the riches in heaven that are held for you under the power of Jesus Christ, where it cannot be stolen, it cannot rust, it cannot rot away. Praise be to God. 
It's yours. You who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Put your faith in Christ and you'll know the power of his salvation, guarding you, shielding you. Put your faith in him and you'll realize how much he has put his faith in you and the very power of God protects and shields and keeps and guards your life. Hey, friends, even through physical death, your life is shielded and guarded into eternal salvation. Praise be to God. Verse 6, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in what? In praise. May result in praise. Your faith tested results in praise. Glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Yes, there are trials. Yes, there are hardships. These are tests for a little while. But the only thing they can do is serve to reveal the pure gold of the faith that is within you as it's refined by fire. And what does it all result in? It results in praise, 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 glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Praise, worship. It can keep you in touch with your faith even when you're facing various trials. It can keep you in touch and carry, help you to carry on through the little inconveniences of life. You know, by context, Peter and Paul in this letter, and when this letter was being sent around, by context, little inconveniences. Things like being burned at the stake or beheaded or crucified upside down, as Peter was. Things like that. They don't matter at all to Peter. He's caught a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. How does a church cultivate such faith? How do you grow faith like that? How do you deepen your faith in a God you can't see and you can't always feel and sometimes wonder if he's there? Look at verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Though you can't see him, you love him. You love him. Not singular, plural. Not alone. You together, church, worshiping body, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. Plural, not singular, plural. Not alone, together. You believe in him. You are filled with inexpressible joy. Not alone, not alone, not by yourself, together. You get it? Why do we go to church? 
Why do we link up and, and worship through whatever means that we can figure out? Why do we do this? When you find it hard to believe what you cannot see, it's easier together. It's easier when the body gathers. It's more possible when you can lean on the guy next to you a little bit. It's easier to pray when everybody's praying. It's easier to sing when everybody's singing. It's easier to believe when together you are all as one body focused in, as one congregation under the same moment, under the same time, under the same word of God, under the same Jesus Christ, filled with the same Holy Spirit, focused in on Jesus together. You believe. Praise be to God. So, so what's first in your life? What are you living for? What, what sets, what's, what's on the top of your heart above all else? We all have something. You wake up thinking about it. You go to sleep wondering about it. You've got an app on your phone to track it. And to, to, you, you spend time imagining yourself being the best at it in the world. It's the first thing you hit when you, when you look at your phone. It's the first channel you turn on. It has you, you see. And by now, you've got something that you're thinking of. And by now, you're kind of thinking, well, how does Tim know? You know, how did he, whoa. How does, it's like he's looking into my living room. How did Tim know that I was so addicted to, see, whatever it is, we've, we've all got something different. What is it? Is it money? Is it, you know, travel? Is it romance? Skiing? <laughs> Fishing? Golf? What, what is that thing that occupies your mind above all else? What is it? Maybe it's more subtle, you know? Is it um, your uh, desire to be effective in fighting for justice? Is it your desire to be more pious uh, more holy than all those around you? Is it your desire to, to be number one in the, in the Bible memorization drill? It could be a good thing that has become the greatest of things in your heart. You see these idols, they creep in very subtly and they take their seat. The point is this. You can't not have a top of the pile. You can't not have a head, a chief, something that's at the very top. We all have one. What is it? Is it worthy? Live for God. Worship. Trains our hearts to beat for God. Why go to church? Conservatives go to church out of duty. Maybe you, maybe you grew up being dragged to church. Maybe that was you. And you. It almost felt like your parents liked the fact that you hated it, right? Like, that's good. You're supposed to hate it. Take your medicine. Earn your place. Pay your dues. This is how you make a, this is how you make a Christian, you see? This is how you become a good citizen. Liberals, on the other hand, go to church to be inspired to do good deeds. New York Times columnist Ross Douthat wrote some years ago now about how, how surprised uh, liberal preachers are when people stop coming to church. He said you shouldn't be surprised when people stop coming to church. Every time they come to church, you tell them they're not supposed to come to worship. They're supposed to go to the food bank. Well, eventually they did, you see. Hey, don't come to church to satisfy duty and don't come to church to be inspired to do something else. Come to be with Jesus.
Jesus. Jesus has satisfied all the requirements of good citizenship and duty. He's done that for you. He's earned your place. You don't have to. Jesus is the selfless one who, if you want to see good deeds, he's the one who's changing the world through giving his life away. Jesus, if you get closer to him, you get close to those things. But it's all about him and his work, not your glory. What matters to you is to get close to Jesus. Get close to Jesus. And when you get into worship, you get close to Jesus. In a concentrated, distilled, focused, intentional, communal way, we all get pushed closer to Jesus. We can feel him a little more. We can trust him a little more. We can believe in him a little bit more. Though you do not see him, you know him. And though you have not seen him, you believe him. You know his love. You love him. You love him. That's why we go to church. That's why we worship. To get close to Jesus. That's it. At the core of our fellowship, is joy in communion with Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Learn to get close to Jesus in worship and you will walk with him through every other hour. Live for God. Lord, we pray that you would train our hearts to beat for you as we worship you, that anything else that we've attached ourselves to would fade away that we would look only to your glorious face, that we would, as Jim said, submit ourselves to you fully and learn that submission and worship and walk in that submission through all of our lives to trust you, to know you, to believe in you, Jesus. It's our all. It's our all. It's our all. Be present to your church. Have mercy on your nation. Feed your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.